Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Now I have product offerings, I have a niche, I have prices for those product offerings, I have a well-articulated value message. I have been able to break that whole time value issue and, and rework on my practice such that it's much better for clients and it's much better for me. Welcome to the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help overworked CPAs go down to 40 hours without giving up revenue. My name is Geraldine Carter. My guest today is Michael Berry. Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Geraldine, for having me today. So this episode is for the folks who have ever felt burned out or like their sanity is on the line or they're not present for the folks they care about in their life and how to get out of that situation. So before we dive in, tell us who you are, where you are, and what you do. I'm Michael Berry. I'm a CPA here in Omaha, Nebraska. And I am a little different than some of the other people in your cohorts. Uh, I work inside a CPA firm. I'm one of 11, uh, 12 partners, other 11 other partners. And um, yeah, I'm excited to be here. Thanks. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. So you've, I don't know exactly when you found me. You could tell us when you found the podcast and so on. Um, but we were talking in the green room about at the start of tax season, you were burned out and here comes tax season. Can you tell us where you were eight, 10 months ago? I was super stressed out and uh, just really exhausted. And the particular work that I do is both uh, tax work, so tax season. So I go through tax season and then we have a substantial amount of summer work. So there's really no break for me in the practice that I have. Um, So I'm working all the time and I just uh, was literally fried. I connected with you uh, through, I think, someone else's posts on LinkedIn or on the web. And uh, then a friend of mine uh, was listening to you constantly or pretty religiously and said, oh, Geraldine's awesome. And so I started listening to your podcast. And, and uh, yeah, no, it's it's been a great experience. Yeah. And for listeners, Michael's been in two rounds now of down to 40 and is going down to 25. So when you were like eight, 10 months ago, last winter, like how much were you working? Was it like eight days a week, seven days a week? It felt like eight days a week, but it was seven seven days a week and probably 70 hours most weeks, you know, 60, 70 hours most weeks. Oh my gosh. You just, you're not present then for anybody else in your life. And, And you don't feel that you're providing value to your clients because you're so fried. 
and so when you show up with you know a client interaction and and uh, things end up scattered then as well you're trying to do so much you don't feel like you have any focus or i didn't anyway so i finally was ready to take action i'd gotten to a point where i wanted to provide more value to clients i wanted to to be present and um you know answer their questions and uh i think i just gotten to the point where uh i knew that i wanted to be more present i i knew that uh there was a there had to be a different way to do this and i think you you know there's a different way but it sure is great to have someone help you know help you on that journey yeah did you feel like you're stuck like there there has to be a different way but what if there's really not a different way and what if this is my destiny and i'm just stuck here until the sun sets there's definitely a feeling of hopelessness <laughs> if that's yeah if that's what you're driving at it's it's um yeah like this could go on forever and, and you postpone things in your life you you're always waiting for when i have time for x i i will exercise more when i have time I had a landscaping company and I really enjoy still working in my yard and and working in my landscape but I will do that when I have time and dot dot dot. So everything was I felt like everything was postponed. Right, and that magical land of when there is time was just never coming around. It was like doesn't matter there's always like there was no such thing as catching up and getting free. You're looking at the horizon and you never see a light at the end of the tunnel like and I think you finally sit down and you look around and you're like, this is not ever changing unless I, I have to do something. I have to proactively change. And, and then it's, then it's how, how, so that's what, that's where I was when I, when I said, I'm doing down to 40. In tax season. <laughs> in tax season. This is not going to, this is going to change. I am going to affect change in my life, in my professional life, which will obviously change my personal life as well. And so what did you think the solution might be to the sort of seven days a week problem? I knew that I had to reduce m my workload. I felt like that was a probable solution. My prices were too low. Um, so I, I wanted to obviously increase my revenue as well. And you hear nebulous things about CPA should be value pricing and but never anything granular, like, well, this is how you do this. And this is, and I think that the awesome thing about down to 40 is that we work so much on mindset. And I think that's a critical component of value pricing as a CPA is changing your mindset. And uh, the the one-on-one -on -one coaching that we do about thoughts and, you know, that, that's, that's so helpful. And it's way more helpful. I, I didn't really consider that how vital that component was when I started down to 40, that my, that my thoughts were holding me back. Interesting. I do want to come back to that. But before we do, because the mindset piece is so crucial, it undergirds everything or undergirds a lot of things anyways. With the workload, why not just cut your workload in half, right? Like if you're working seven days a week, 70 hours, why not just cut in half and then you're down to 35 hours? I think it's that feeling that you need to help everybody and you just you keep amassing work and it's also a scarcity mindset like if i let people go they'll never come back and i'll never have enough work and yeah all this this kind of panic that is feeling of uncomfortableness to let things go it's like this hoarding mentality where you, <laughs> it's hoarding mentality hoarding mentality i have to get and, it now because there will never be more 
Or what if there is never more? Like, what if this is the only crop harvest of my entire life? And that's just not the case. The mindset, your mindset is so critical to that, of, of thinking that through and realizing that your mindset is what's holding you back. You can make a different choice and it's okay. And there's plenty of work out there. Oh, there's plenty of work out there. And that you'll be better. You'll be a better CPA to the people that you are, that are your clients. Yeah. And that's the exciting bit. And to get to that mindset of, I'm really excited now. I'm excited to help people on their journey through financial difficulties or making decisions in their businesses. How do I get to the next level? And do I need to hire that crew, that extra crew? Do I need to purchase that piece of equipment? Uh, those are kind of things that really light me up. So I enjoy that help helping people. So yeah, how will it be better? How will it be better for clients and for you? I was focused on a product, on delivering a product, you know, a financial statement, a tax return, and not really seeing all the extra value that I can provide, or maybe not feeling I had the time to provide it. Maybe that's a better way to put it. Feel like I, I'm so rushed to get you this financial statement that I don't have time to look at, you know, whether you're doing well or whether you should make some changes or I need to get on to the next thing. I have like 14 things parked in the sky. It's like it's like O'Hare, you know, on a busy day. There's all these planes waiting to land, and you're just one of those planes. You're the air traffic controller, and you've got 14 planes buzzing, and all the pilots are like, hey. My passengers need to get on the ground. They have connections. We're running out of fuel here. Could you speed it up there? Yeah, exactly. That's where I was at. Could you clear the runway? I was running out of fuel. Yeah, you're totally running out of fuel, right? So I think that that was one of the, besides the value pricing, sorry, breaking the time, the formula that time equals my value to the client and that I should bill based on the hours that I'm putting in. So breaking that connection and realizing that the value to the client is that isn't the hours that you put in, it's how much you've helped them. They didn't want your hours. And, and half the time, the tax return is something they have to do. It's a requirement. It's a compliance thing. What's valuable to them is all the extras that you're providing, the advice. You know, maybe you should donate or uh, contribute more to your 401k and you re- reduce your tax liability. You know, those, those extra things are valuable to the client. Yeah, totally. If you sell your house now, you're going to face a whatever tax hit. Maybe you want to wait four months so that you cross the two-year line. And and the other thing is, uh, which is a, uh, a saying now, but it's to, to drive your own bus. Mm-hmm. You know, or the air traffic controller of your own airport. <laughs> you know, maybe that's a new analogy that we should use, your own air traffic <laughs> yes. controller. And- wait, before you go there, hold on one second. Well, let's hold the air traffic controller analogy for just a moment. I want to go back to the the piece about time and value and price and the sort of the realization of disconnecting your value being in the amount of time that you spend on for doing work for the client. Um, what was it that helped you disconnect those things in your mind? Because I still think even this morning, I had a conversation with somebody who was like, well, my schedule sees, you know, if it, I'm charging them X, but if it only takes me 15 minutes, I'm going to discount it because it was really easy and it went fast. As if somehow the amount of time that it took is relevant to the price for the client. It's such a pervasive way of thinking. What helps you disconnect those things? It was a landscaping analogy. And I went back to my landscaping days. The homeowner looks out the window, sipping her nice warm coffee in the morning and sees her landscape. It's weed free. It's all trimmed up. It looks beautiful. There's color out there. 
that's what she bought. When you, when you come to do maintenance and design a landscape for somebody, that feeling is what she purchased and that's what's valuable to her or to him. Mm -hmm. Not that you put in seven zinnias and 14 of this <laughs> and you use this kind of compost <laughs> and it, you'd use this many cubic yards of this or, yeah. or this Small fertilizer. Bark. The, yeah. Those are, those are all important things to end up with a quality product so that when that person is there sipping their nice warm coffee on a Saturday morning, looking out at their beautiful landscape, that that actually happens. Yeah, they're buying an amazing looking yard. But they're not buying all that nitty gritty detail. They're buying the end result. And it's the same with our clients. They don't know and maybe they don't care what's on line one of their 1040. You know what I mean? They, they care that it's correct. And for the landscaping analogy, you could make an argument that she wants it done as quickly as possible because she doesn't want a bunch of bees buzzing around in her yard all day. Correct. I mean, <laughs> like if they can get in and out in an hour and be done with it because they're efficient and they're fast and they've planned ahead and they've gotten all their tools all arranged and they're systematized. Yep. They're in and out in an hour instead of four hours and then, you know, it's the mower and then it's the air blower and then it's like, get out of here already. It's Saturday. I want to enjoy my yard. Stop it with your billing me for 14 zinnias. But I, liter I literally had that discussion with the landscaping client and trying to help to, to help them break the, the time pricing. Yes. Yes. The time billing. Totally. Yeah. He was uh, doing ponds, you know, trying to calculate out how many hours and all this. And, and, and of course, it's important to know your costs. But he was not he was understating his value to the client. In doing so, yeah, totally. He was he was under un, he was underbilling the client for sure. So let's go back over to the um, buzzing seven forty sevens. The the O'Hare on a Tuesday at noon. You've got all those planes in the air that arguably need to land legitimately, and there's so many of them, and you're stressing out, and you're trying to figure out how you're going to move them all through your runway. What was <laughs> no pun intended? What was the approach on that? <laughs> the approach <laughs> on that is there. There can be a feeling of of helplessness. You know, when you're not driving your own bus and you're letting or, or being your own air traffic controller, as the analogy is, there can be a feeling of, of helplessness. And it's not that any client was bad for sure at all. Uh, I have the privilege to work with some awesome people. But uh, those ground rules uh, for how we get there really can make life so much better for them and for us and their experience better. Uh, for example, things like, you know, requesting prepayment, you know, all about document uploading and how you get us things. And that makes the experience better for them and it makes uh, the end result better and our work easier. So you can you can it's OK to set those ground rules and not just let them determine what that should be or what that process should look like. OK, I thought you were going to talk a little bit about capacity and having too many planes in the sky more than you can actually pump through your runway. Well, there's that. We can talk about that. So, yeah, let's go to that in just a second. But I think what you're talking about is um, driving the bus, which is rather than letting your clients dictate or your pilot say, hey, I'm coming in for a landing. Sucks for you. <laughs> Deal. Deal with it. I don't care about the other four planes that are trying to land. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, ah, hold on. Or your pilots are all up in the sky and they're like, I'm not ready to land yet. And you're like, no, 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 no. I need you to land because we have 16 other pilots and planes coming in. I need you to land. But the pilots are like, no, I don't have my documents ready yet. It'll just be. It's mass chaos. But in, in terms of the 
bringing the planes into land or the quantity and capacity, that, that is a huge problem. I mean, we're like other CPA firms. We've been understaffed. You have to look at capacity and how you're going to throughput all of this. Look at systems and processes. And do you need to disengage anybody or several somebodies to get that workload down to where you can effectively service the client for a better result for the client? Yes, it makes my life better, but it's also client-centric. And, and I, th- I think there's some guilt, though, on s- that you're doing this for selfish reasons, and, and you're not. Your client benefits from this. When you have more capacity and you're more present and the process is dialed in and you're, you have more bandwidth, that's a way better result for your client. Talk a little bit about the guilt, because I think a lot of CPAs will resonate with feeling badly or guilty about disengaging clients or letting them go. They think that they should be able to help them or they ought to be able to help them and they're going to get around to them, but they don't quite in due time. So can you say a little bit more about what it took for you to break out of that cycle of having too many clients and being beyond capacity and then getting to the other side? I definitely was in a position where there were too many hours and not enough days. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. too, too much work and not enough days to complete them. Yeah. And so there, there, uh, there was some disengagement that I did, uh, mostly through price increases, and that happened just by partially by attrition. From the time I started in this industry, in this profession, it was ingrained in my head that clients are almost family. You feel like you're you're letting go of a family member, like firing a family member. This is more than a transactional relationship. And I know your kids' names, and you know Johnny's going to high school this year, and you know your daughter just got over this or whatever. You know whatever the situation is, there's a lot of angst over letting that go, along with the scarcity mindset of oh my god, you know Henny Penny is the sky is falling and you'll never have enough work ever again. What was the angst over about letting it go? The guilt that you feel for not helping, not being able to help everybody. It's almost, we talked about this in um, office hours. It's almost like I put myself on this super, to be a superhero. That's all my doing. Nobody else asked me to be a superhero. I did that to myself. I put myself up on this ginormous pedestal yeah. and said, you somehow should be able to figure out how to handle unlimited clients and unlimited demands on your time. The sad fact of the matter is you can't and you're not superhuman and uh, you should forgive yourself. I don't want to say put yourself first, but there's a whole m- mindset to it being okay that you are not superhuman and you can't solve everyone's problem and you can't be present for every single human being and you can't do everyone who walks in the door's tax return. You can't rescue everybody. Correct. So I think there there's some guilt there. Like you should, I should be able to rescue everybody. I should be able to rescue everybody on that. That's an unfair expectation on yourself. Yeah. You're putting an expectation on yourself that's really not realistic. And, and it's honestly, it's not fair to you. Yeah. And it's also not fair to your clients. Correct. Because they're in a plane up in the sky and at some point they want to land and your tarmac is full. (laughs) They need to land. (laughs) And you're like, I'm sorry that I shot too many planes into the sky. I don't have time for you to land right now. And they're like, but, 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 but. There's no available (laughs) runway for you. Sorry. (laughs) Available runway. I'm sorry. I hope you don't run out of fuel. Yeah, totally. Good luck. No, it it is a hundred percent customer focused. And when, 
when you change that mindset from I have to solve everybody's problem to you don't for one and two that it's a much better result for your client if you limit your capacity that's a huge mind shift change we talked about disconnecting value from the time you put in but i think the other piece that needs disconnecting is revenue from clients that if i let go of clients somehow i'm going to ding my revenue that can be a common fear did that to what extent did that come up for you how am I going to buy groceries? Uh, and, and your mind blows this, or at least mine did, blow, blows it way out of proportion. Like you're going to starve to death, and you know, not, I'm exaggerating, but you know, you make it more, much more dramatic than it really is. Yeah. And the honest to goodness thing is that you uh, have raised prices for the for your clients to clearly reflect the value that you're providing, and in doing so, you you now need less clients to meet the same revenue targets and you're serving those clients in a much better way and they're they're paying for the value that they really want um, they don't want just the compliance work or at least the the ones that you want to work with they want way more from you and and that's awesome so let's loop in the mindset piece because one of the things that you've mentioned that's been really helpful is the mindset aspect of, you know, changing how you think about it. So for people who are like, wait a minute, what are you doing talking about mindset? We're CPAs, we're accountants over here, we're numbers people. I don't have time for that. It's too hand wavy. What are we even talking about? We're talking about your thoughts and the realization that your thoughts are just that. They're they're not reality. You can change your thoughts around circumstances or situations you know, I used to, before I would meet sometimes with clients, you have this dooming, you know, like, why are they calling? Oh my God, you know, what's, did they get a notice from the IRS? You have all these thoughts around this and they call and they're like, well, I just want to check, see how you are and let you know that we bought a house this year. I mean, it's like totally, totally calm, totally chill. They're just informing you of some event, which is fine, which is great. And you built this whole thought about this conversation and it was a waste of time, complete waste of time and energy. And, and we do that about our practices too. I need to service everybody. Um, otherwise, I, I won't have enough revenue. Or so. Those are only thoughts. And, and so it's critical, it's critical to work on those mind, mindset changes because if you don't, you'll just be stuck. That, I mean, that's where I was. I was stuck in this mindset of I got to do work for everybody Anybody who walks in the door, any type of business, any type of client, uh, need to solve their problem. What do you think now that eight months ago you never would have thought? I never thought I would be able to select a niche <laughs> <laughs> of narrowing my practice to serve people in a, a much better way, using my expertise as a landscaper and having, I already had a, a fairly substantial client of uh, a number of, excuse me, number of contractors as clients, uh, like plumbers, HVAC, electricians, uh, plus landscapers. And I had my experience owning a landscaping company. I can use that expertise to help people. So I chose after a very long, very drawn out process <laughs> of first initially thinking that I was going to narrow my uh, selection to physicians and then deciding that, that that wasn't my peeps, great people. And I have wonderful clients who are physicians, uh, but that wasn't my peeps to, to, for, for niching that I wanted to work with contractors and especially landscapers. And as I think about that and as I 
move towards down the down to 25 program, I'm thinking it might just be landscapers. <laughs> That I would drive that niche even narrower. Even narrower. Yeah. Let's talk about your niche for another hot minute um, and the process of niching, right? Because it's it's a process and a journey. You mentioned the physicians. When we started out, you were kind of in a couple of places. Like you were kind of straddling two fences. And you're like, I'm not sure if I like this one or that one. Oh, I think there was a... Th- there was a third in there. There was real yes, estate. Yes, there were real estate people in there too and the high net worths. So, <laughs> so there may have been four. There was a lot. Yeah. So give us a sense of like uh, niching is an intim- can be an intimidating process because obviously the, the, the knee-jerk thought is, wait a minute, I'm going to limit my potential client pool. Why would I want to do that? It feels so scary like you have your toes curled over the ledge. So tell us where you were and what was running through your mind then. Yeah, you feel like you're one of the lemmings just going to run right off the <laughs> cliff. Like, the world will come to an end. I mean, you talk about mindset work. That that's you know there were there were a lot of one-on-one coaching sessions to get through niching. You're exactly right. It was there won't be enough clients in this niche. There, I'll I'll, ne- I'll never be able to to earn a living um, just narrowing this far. Yeah, that took me in particular quite a long time. <laughs> it was a journey, and and I I did the things that you recommended, which were super helpful, you know, listening to podcasts in each of the niches. And I have uh, clients in each of those niches. And I also um, interviewed, I even interviewed, you know, a couple of physician clients, um, some real estate clients, and uh, kind of tried to sit inside those niches for a while and think about that before I came back to the landscapers. Yeah. What was it like when you sat in the niche? And what did, how did you know when you were like, oh, you know what, I don't think that this is it for me. I don't know. It's a sense. It's a gut feeling. You're like, you listen to the podcasts uh, for, for people in that industry and you're like, this, this isn't, this isn't where I belong. This isn't, it doesn't resonate with me. I'll give you, I'll give listeners my experience. And that was that I tried to niche into corporate when I first started out. And I was like, I spent six weeks listening to all corporate, whatever. Yeah. And I was like, I felt like trying to stuff a cat in a dryer. And I've never owned pantyhose in my life. And I'm like, what am I doing here? I hate it. Well, I, I didn't hate any of those professions. But it, it was definitely a situation where I'm like, I, I don't see this long term for me. Uh, and again, I, I love all my clients in those professions. There are some wonderful people and uh, nothing about that. But at the end of the day, you're trying to pick somewhere where um, you feel like you can do the most good. You feel at home the the people that are running those businesses really resonate with you and um, you talk a similar language but it was it was a long process for me i had a lot of mindset issues really blocking me um, from making a selection and you were very helpful and super patient through that whole process you're probably like you're probably just like select already no (laughs) no not at all because it's a process and it takes time no you were super you were super patient you, n- you never put any pressure on me. You're like, you know, it just takes time. Four weeks, five weeks, maybe six weeks. Maybe it was six weeks for me. To- <laughs> and, and I was I was dead I was dead set going to move ahead with physicians. I was like, I'm- but that's how you figure it out. Yeah, and I feel very at home with the obviously with the landscapers. I mean, I I, I don't and I don't know. I, I can't tell you or describe to anybody why I ignored a business that <laughs> that I actually owned. <laughs> that I know very well. Oftentimes, it's because we're t- attempting to make the cerebral logical choice rather than make the one that just feels right. Because we tend to be, as numbers, logical people, not 
the type who just trust our guts. Like intuition is usually not a good enough reason for us. Clearly not. Clearly not for me. <laughs> We're like, no, my gut, my gut says so, but that that can't be a valid reason. Sorry, I cut you off. No, ahead. no, you're you are absolutely wonderful through the whole process. Going through that and listening, you know, I wasn't the only person in in cohorts um, struggling with that issue, and listening to the other people and the camaraderie that you form uh, with the other participants in the cohort is is awesome. That's super helpful as well. Being surrounded by other people who are just like you, having similar experiences, you know, on different paths, but overall a similar kind of journey is. So one of the things that we do typically in the second round for folks who renew down to 40, I mean, it depends a little bit on, you know, how quickly it air quotes people progress often depends on how much disentangling they need to do. And so it's not uncommon for folks to do to renew and down to 40 in order to make it through the full progression. And usually the end of the progression is, okay, now we have your prices, your packages, your niche is clear, the pain and the solution of your buyer and the process is now clear. We know who you're targeting, we know who you're working with, we know what they need from you and how to talk to them about those things. Then we can take all of that and get it on your website so that then we can start, you can start attracting clients who fall nicely into your bucket, exactly the kinds of clients you want to be working with at the prices you want to be working with. And we get that on a website and that serves as a piece of your magnet and your funnel. What was that process like for you once you clarified your niche and all that? How was it putting all that together? Well, there are several valuable parts to the Down to 40 program, but that was one of the most valuable because, and again, you were super patient. We went through multiple iterations of the, <laughs> the website. And and I think the bonus for me that I, I hadn't really, I mean, it was there staring you in the face, but I hadn't really thought of was I'm describing my value. I'm This is my sales pitch. This is this is what the client is is buying. I don't know how many ways to say it, but... I guess I hadn't, I thought of it as more perfunctory. It's just a website thing and we'll just put it up and I'll have words on it. <laughs> It'll look cool and I'll have a photo shoot, which I did. And I <laughs> got some great new pictures. But what I didn't anticipate was really boiling down your value message. And that was awesome. That in, in the iterations that you and I went back and forth with, you helped me f- really resonate and get to my value message for clients. Why would they come to me in the first place? That made all that work so valuable. Just, it was, it was a huge bonus that I, I don't know why. I mean, like I said, it was staring me in the face, but I hadn't really thought about how valuable it would be. And it was super cool. And I'm super happy with the end result. It's not perfect, but yeah, I'm super happy. And I'm super pumped that now I have a much better message clear and articulates the value that I, I I can offer people. How has all of that come together to impact your prices, your confidence, how you show up to work and so on? Understanding your value message and what you're doing. I mean, you use a standing desk on standing here every day and, and what we do for clients. That also is a mind shift change that makes you so much happier when you understand how you can help clients. And it also is bumper guards for you with the call of, can you help me? And you're like, I can't. 
Right. It's not really in my swim lane. <laughs> and it's okay to say that because you're, you now know your value to clients. You know now more clearly how you can help. And if it's a situation where it doesn't, it's not really something that's in your swim lane and you're like, no, I, maybe you know somebody, maybe, you know, um, since I work in a practice, I'm like, you know, here, I'll give you, I'll refer you to somebody else and, and he or she can help you with that. But it's not my value message. And it's just, it gets you out of having to rescue everybody. I can blame my niche. <laughs> it's not me. It's, it's my niche. I can't help you. Go get a landscaping business and I'll help you. I, <laughs> that would be, that would be awesome. <laughs> but there, you know, and, and there are, uh, there are allowances, Geraldine, for, you know, I work, I work with the not-for-profit and absolutely love it. The work, their work, their mission charges me up. They are a client. They are a paying client. But I'm so pumped about their mission that I'm, and they're not obviously not in my niche. You have to give yourself permission too that that's okay, and you can accept work. Uh, yeah, I don't want people to walk away and say, "Well, I can never accept another client who's not a landscaper," or you know, whatever your niche is that you're so narrowly focused that if something really charges you up, you can't participate in it. And you have to say no, and that's not the case. You're, you can give yourself permission to accept clients outside your niche, like this nonprofit that I just I do feel really strongly about their work. And Yeah, you wanted to say yes, so you did. You liked your reasons. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. I love it. That was one of the mindset issues that I had about niching, that I, I had this construct or this bubble then around me that didn't give me permission to accept something that I felt would charge me up and lighten my soul or light my soul up. And uh, that's not the case. You, you're driving your own bus. And darn it, if you if you want to accept that client, you can accept that client. That's okay. Yes, you totally can. Yes, niching is not like a super strict box. It's more like a like a North Star. Like this is where I'm going. I'm headed in this direction. And if there's something interesting that and I kind of want to go over here and explore it for a little bit or bring it on, I can as long as I recognize that the North Star is still where I'm headed and this other client, nonprofit, super lights me up and work that lights me up is where I want to head. Exactly. So you get to do it. Back to your earlier question about, you know, what was what was the mindset issue around niching? And I think the box thing was one of those things where I just felt like, oh God, you know, I just then if I choose this or choose that, you know, I'm I'm stuck in this bubble. And, and it's not that anyone uh, ever told me that. I, that was a mindset thing. <laughs> and I had to break that mindset and say, nope, if you want to accept that client, you pat yourself on the back, take the client and help them out. Yeah. Niching is not a box. It's more like a North Star. So let's talk about, just as we wrap up here, a person can make a lot of progress in eight months time. When you know what you want and you know where you want to head, and week by week commit to taking steps. So where are you now compared to eight months ago, especially compared to being burned out and having your sanity on the line? Night and day. That's the short answer. And, and day, you know, for sure I'm in daylight now. I mean, this is a, a much better place to be in. When I started the program, I had no service offering other than, you know, just you bring your work, you call me and I, I help you and I bill you the hours and, and we each, it was very transactional for the most part. Um, now I have product offerings, I have a niche, 
I have prices for those product offerings. I have a well-articulated value message. I have been able to break that whole time value issue and, and rework on my practice such that it's much better for clients and it's much better for me, more efficient. And I've also, one of the things that lights me up is sharing that message with other people. And I've had the opportunity to do that with some of the other people that work at the firm. And, and, and uh, I think that was something I hadn't really anticipated. And I think uh, it's really helped them as well see a different path. And a different path. Where's your different path go? The grinding hours of grinding hour, you know, grinding away at your desk day after day of, it's like toiling in a salt mine, pumping you know, a shovel and, and, and that there is a different way to, to design your practice. You don't have to work um, 60, 70 hours a week toiling away, grinding out billable hours and not realizing the value that you're providing. There is a different path. If there's one thing that you would want listeners to know who might feel like they too are on the burnout path sometimes, what would it be? Change is 110% possible. You, you can do this. This is, this is doable and being in down to 40 is so awesome. 110% doable. I would tell you, you have to take action. That's, that's, that's the responsibility and that's where I was at. I just had reached, I'd reached the bottom. I was at the bottom of the slide and there was nowhere else to go, darn it. I had reached the ground floor and or the basement. I was in the basement and and <laughs> click the red button. Click the button. <laughs> join down to 40. Click the red button. I don't know which pill it is. Do you take the red pill? I don't I don't know, but change change is possible. And I would encourage everybody to, if you're feeling burned out and like there's there's no path out, there is a path out and you can find it and there is help. Change is 110% possible. You just have to take action. Michael Berry, this has been a real treat. Thank you so much for coming on the Business Strategy for CPAs podcast. Thank you, Geraldine. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.